Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And the Bible says, And again Jesus began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them in many things by parables and, and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow one day. And it happened that as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where the rocks were, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it could not develop roots. But when the sun was, was up, it was scorched. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Tonight, we're going to be preaching on the subject, a product of your word. Before you sit down, I just want you to tell your neighbor and point at yourself, I am a product of the word. I am a product of the word. Praise God. I feel like preaching right now, but we'll go through a lead up first. You may be seated tonight. What is the word in this text? This is one of the only parables where we don't need to go to a commentary or go to some, you know, resource to teach us this parable because the the disciples asked Jesus, what does this mean? What does this parable of the sower mean? And Jesus lays it out for him. And Jesus said, he who sows the seed sows the word. So in this parable, the word is Jesus. It is his nature. It is who he is wrapped up in this book right here. Paul said in Hebrews, uh, speaking of Jesus, when he came, said, lo, I, lo, it is me, and I have come in the volume of the book. John chapter 1, verses 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, Word there, is the word Logos. Everybody say Logos. Like Logo. The logo that you wear on your shirt. The logo, the Nike logo, the Adidas logo. Every one of us is wearing some logo of some sort. That's the same word in the Greek that is used for the Word, and he who sows the seed sows the Word. It is the Logos. It is the representation of God. Jesus is the representation of God. He is the Logos of God. He, when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you see Jesus working, you see the representation of the nature of God. Just like we, when we wear Nike, we represent that company. And you can tell it from a mile away. The Bible says in John 1, 14... And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. To reject the word, to reject the Bible, is to reject Jesus. A lot of people want Jesus without the word. You don't get Jesus without the Bible. Praise God. You could fill up the entire state of Texas two inches, two feet deep with silver dollars, silver coins, and paint one red on one side of it. And jump out of a helicopter blindfolded. And the odds that Jesus was who he says he was based on this book is the same as the odds of you picking that red coin up. We don't get Jesus without the word. He is the word. Mark 3 gives us a clear picture of the human responses to the word. This parable is a sermon in action. These disciples have just witnessed these responses 
to the seed in human form. You had the Pharisees who rejected him, who, who, who healed on the Sabbath. They rejected him. You have the, 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 the man who, with the withered hand, healed, received the word, saying, stretch forth thine hand, and he was made whole. He received the word. The Pharisees rejected the word, word and 12 disciples heeded the word to go and follow Jesus the rest of the way. The previous chapter lays out this parable. And so no doubt in my mind do I think, Pastor Tad, that the disciples had it in their mind. Why was Jesus getting such mixed reactions? And so Jesus, being the master teacher, follows with this parable and lets them know what they are seeing. We can reason that the parable was not actually for the multitudes because Jesus said, I don't speak, I, to them I speak in parables, but to you it is, it is made known the mysteries of God. So the disciples ask him, what does this mean? And we get to when Jesus begins describing it in chapter, or in, in Luke, and Luke 8 words it better. In Luke 8, verse 12, it words it better. And this is the by the wayside. And now you must understand that your response to the word determines the result of the word. You don't just get uh, scriptures, um, you just don't hear scriptures and automatically just receive the fruit of an abundant life because you heard the word. But your response to that word determines the result of the word in your life. The seed by the wayside, the, in, in, in Luke chapter 8 verses 12, the Bible says that those by the wayside are those who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. If, if the devil can keep you from believing the word that has been spoken in your life, if the devil can keep you from believing the word, the nature of Jesus, the, 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 the invitation to abundant life, the invitation to eternal life, if he can keep you from believing the word, he knows that he can snatch that seed right up off the ground and wreck your life. But if you ever get bold enough to not just hear the word, but to believe the word, the Bible says that you will have not only have everlasting life, but you will walk with Jesus and he will make something of you. My God, if this generation ever gets a hold of the word and says, not only do I receive it, but I believe it, I mix it with faith, God will make something out of you. Praise God. Satan knows that if you take the word, sow it and believe it, you'll fully realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Satan is against the faith. Satan is against those who claim to believe that Jesus is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. All he wants you to do is to not believe God. Not to believe that when he says you can be saved, you can be saved. If he can keep you from believing, you'll never receive a harvest in your life from the word. The more you believe it, the deeper it is sown into your heart. Jesus, again, the master teacher, describes Satan in this parable as a fowl of the air who snatches the seed out before you can believe it. Have you ever seen a bird just dig three feet down to find, to find their food? Yeah, you've seen them pluck worms out of the ground, but, but, but that's because they're already near the surface. Birds are surface-level eaters. They're not going to go digging to find the seed because they're not going to fill their bellies that way. They're lazy. They, they swarm over the surface, and they look to see these little wayward seeds that they can pick on and nibble. Because it's not sown in the ground, it's an easy meal. But if you ever believe God and sow in prayer, 
and in fasting, that word which you have received from the beginning, which you have beheld full of glory, which you have, which you have seen through the, through, through the gospel, seen who Jesus is, if you believe it, and if you take it to prayer and, in, and with fasting, not will that, that word will not just sit on the, on the surface of your heart, but it'll get deeper, and the deeper it goes, the birds of, the, of, of Satan, Satan cannot snatch that word out because it's buried deep. He's a bird. He feeds on the surface. Don't worry about him coming, snatching something that's buried deep in your heart because he can't get to it. But if you leave it out in the open, it's open season. He can take it right from you. But if you believe God, it will be stored deeper than you ever know it. It will be stored in the repositories of your mind that when you're in a troubled season or a troubled time, all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And out from that seed comes fruit of scripture saying, yes, greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. Because it's not on the surface it's in deep deep how do you get it deep prayer and fasting only deeply plowed earth can yield a bountiful harvest how deep is that word in your heart how deep is that word how deep is Jesus in your life because if it's only a surface level relationship that you have with Jesus the moment that that, 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 that uh, foul of the air Satan comes soaring over with, it, with an eagle eye and sees that relationship just on the crust of your heart it won't take anything for him to take that away and then we get to the seed on stony ground. The Bible says in, Luke, in Mark 4, verses 16 through 17, Jesus said, These likewise who are, are, are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Immediately they receive the word with gladness. That word immediately is so uh, applicable to this generation because when, when, when we think that we can bank our whole future off of an overnight success or going viral or something happening in an instant to where we don't have to, we don't have to work a day in our lives, but we can sit on our couch playing Fortnite, making millions of dollars. It's not going to happen. Oh, but, but, but be, God is not immediately, the, the, the fruit from that seed is not going to happen immediately. God does not work that way. Some immediately receive the word because they believe that the word will bring immediate results to their life. No plant is grown overnight. You don't sow a seed and expect to, to be plucking strawberries off the next morning. There's a season for that. There's a season where there's no fruit. There's a season where, where roots are being formed and, and relationships are happening and, and there's strength and, nu and nutrients are reaching that seed. There's a season for that. It doesn't happen overnight. And so many people get discouraged when they don't see a pulpit the first night they get saved. Or they don't see they don't see their wife being brought into church the moment that they confess that Jesus is Lord or they don't believe or, 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 they, or they fall away because they didn't get the job opportunity or their friend group dwindled or because they had to lose some things in their life. They stumbled. But if you don't immediately expect a harvest and you say, Jesus, I'm willing to go the distance to see the fruit in my life. My God, what a harvest you'll find when that day comes. Praise God. The Bible says immediately they received with gladness. That word received, interestingly enough, in the Greek, is the passive word for receive. It's an acceptance of things. It's an ex I, I, I just accept it. It's like you toss me a ball. I have no other choice. It's going to hit me in the head or I'm just going to catch it. 
It's a passive acceptance. It's not an aggression. It's not as aggressive as when the Bible says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. This is an acceptance of, of oh, if you're going to bless me, bless me. But if not, then I'm on my way. This is a passive acceptance. But if you, don't, if you say, I'm not just going to accept it, but I'm going to take the word by force. I'm going to take Jesus by force and, and make him Lord of my life. You will find that at the end, there will be an abundant harvest. Praise God. With gladness. Immediately they received with gladness. Gladness is an emotional response. Not a spiritual response. I can receive the word with gladness because I expect to benefit from that word. I can engage in a relationship or a conversation or an encounter of some sort with some sort of emotion. Gladness if you're going to benefit me. I'm gonna, and I can engage you with anger if, if, if I don't want to be around you. But when you come to Jesus, you are not saved because of your emotion. You're not saved because you cried. You're not saved because you went through a whole thing of, of Windex or, or Kleenex or whatever. Not Windex, praise God. But, but, but you're not saved just because you cried. When I was saved, I didn't feel saved. I knew I was saved. I didn't just feel that because, man, you know, some, I, I've heard people just, just be critical saying that if you you don't leave the altar with tears, something is wrong with you. Well, bless their little heart. I pray that, you, you, they, that they'll never find out what it means to have to hide your emotion from people because of abusive parents. Praise God. Praise God. You're not saved because you cried. You're saved because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Tears or not, you are saved. Praise God. So I'm not going to engage in Jesus with emotion, but with my spirit. You are Lord of my spirit, praise God. Immediately they received the word, and immediately they stumbled because of the word. It did not meet their expectations. And then you come to the seed among thorns. Mark 4, 18 through 19 says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things entering in choke the growth of that word. The progress of the word was halted because a greater desire slowly but steadily outgrew and overtook the desire of the things of God. Slowly but steadily does the enemy and the desires of this world and your flesh creep in and choke out the potential of that word ever being made manifest in your life. The potential of what Jesus can do. And it doesn't say that it was sexual relations um, before marriage. It didn't say it was alcoholism. It didn't say it was marijuana or another drug of any form. It said other things. It could be your video game. It could be your relationship. It could be staying up too late talking to somebody. It could be a book for crying out loud but other than the Bible. But, 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 but it's other things that creep in and choke out the potential for God to do something in your life. Praise God. You are always moving in the direction of your greatest thought. Control your thoughts. You can control your destiny. If you can control what, what you are projecting to be, if, if, if the entire day I am thinking about nothing but negativity, and this is not a change your mind, change your future type of thing. This is 
changing the atmosphere of your life. Because if you're constantly thinking about negative things and constantly, if the greatest thought that you're thinking all day is a lustful thought, what are you going to do? You are constantly going to be gravitating towards that thought because it's the greatest thought that is in your mind. But if you don't combat that with the word of God and with prayer and the things of God, saying, I, I bring my thoughts into the obedience of Jesus Christ, you will not move in the di direction of destruction. You are constantly moving in the direction of your greatest thought. What you devote your time and efforts to will determine the product of your life. If you want to know the, 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 the touchstone of reality on that, go to Romans 8.5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, do what? Set their agenda? No. Set, set you know, make plans for dinner? No. Set their mind according to the things of the flesh. And if you live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What your mind is thinking about right now is the direction that you're going. Praise God. And then we get to the proper response. Mark chapter 4, verse 20, Jesus says, But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, receive it, and bear fruit. That word receive there is different than the one that was used prior. It's dakamateo or something. I can't, I'm not Greek, so I, I <clears throat> but it is different, praise God. A seed grows best in soil. Has anybody ever took a look at soil and said, oh, how beautiful is that? Oh, how, 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 how good that looks. It looks so clean. No, it's dirty. It's filthy. The best fertilizer that we've used over thousands of years has been manure. It's the dirty things that give the nutrients to, 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 to that seed, that, that give it the fuel to grow a little bit more that day. And what we do is try to come into church all perfect and self-righteous and say, Jesus can never see my mess. I, 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 he can never use my past trauma. He can never use when I was abused as a kid, when I was molested, or when I was, when I was sexually assaulted. He can never use my dirt. He can never use the, 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 the manure of my life. But when God gets a hold of the dirt, when God... God gets a hold of the dirt. He can make that word. He can make that word grow and bear fruit. Praise God. Let the word get in your dirt. Let the word get in the dark places of your life. And watch what God will do. Praise God. Don't try to shield it from Jesus. When Jesus met, met, met the adulteress who faced the light of the world, what did he do? He said, I'm going to get down in the dirt, and I'm going to write what, uh, who knows what he wrote. But all we know is he got down in the dirt and was willing in front of everybody that had stones and was wanting to kill her and said, I will get in your dirt. Thank God he did. Thank God he didn't wait till I was perfect and kept up and, 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 and walking right. But he waited until it was perfect. I was so consumed with dirt that he was able to use it. My Nana, every time I go over my Nana's house, when I was younger, I thought this was disgusting. She had a little egg carton full of rotten veggies, eggshells, good old compost. And everybody wants to say that that compost was dirty when they don't see anything coming out of the ground. Everybody wants to see that, 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 that dirty compost and say, that's disgusting, that's gross, it doesn't belong in the house until they eat the tomatoes, until they eat the onions, until they're eating the watermelon that comes out of her garden. You don't see that, 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 that compost, that filth, drawing and, and feeding that seed. All you see is the dirt, but what Jesus says, you give me the dead things of your life, and I'll make it, 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 it give life to something else, praise God. Praise God. And atmosphere matters. Don't expect 
the, the soil. Don't expect just the, the, the fertilizer to get your seed to bearing fruit if it's not in the right atmosphere. No one's going to try to grow pineapples in Alaska on top of a mountain, on top of, you know, Mount Everest. But you can grow pineapples in Hawaii because the climate and the atmosphere matches the requirements of that seed. About as common sense as you can get. But how do we approach God? We say, God, give me the word. I'll, I'll, I'll feed it. I'll feed it. But we never give it the right atmosphere. We, ne we, we always let the enemy dictate the atmosphere of our minds. And we wonder why we're so depressed and anxious. And, and, and we wonder why we're so discouraged all the time. Because we're constantly listening to secular music. And if you want to come against me on this, I will stand as tall as an oak on this. And, and die on this. Secular music is not bad because it comes it's bad because it controls the atmosphere and changes your life and it changes your mood you go listen to the rocky four album rocky the boxer and tell me you don't want to go lift weights praise god every time i watched that movie when i was a kid i, I one time it was the snow and my dad just cut logs and we had logs for a fire i watched rocky four and the music i went outside in the freezing cold and snow and took up logs and erlanger and i was walking around my backyard thinking i'm about to fight ivan drago praise god come on buddy Russia against the USA. Praise God. But the, the music that you listen to changes your mood. Changes what you want to do. You think that that's acceptable because mm, mm, you're moving in that direction. The rhythm catches you. Praise God. You go, into, you go into an expensive store. Listen to the music that they're playing. I go into Abercrombie and I'm listening to that music and I'm trying on clothes. I'm like, oh, I, I suddenly look good in clothes. I wouldn't look good in normally. Because the music is making me feel like I'm in a summer dream. Praise God. Summer dream, praise God. Paul and Silas were in a Philippian jail. They had every excuse to get depressed and say, oh, is God ever going to bring us out of this? But they said, no, I'm going to control the atmosphere. Though the devil put me in this physical place, in the spiritual, I take authority in the name of Jesus. And they sang praises unto God. And what happened in the physical could not match the atmosphere that they created through their praise. You ever get in a bind and feel discouraged? Go listen to some Christian music. You don't have to listen to music. But the Bible says in 2 Chronicles that when they lifted up their voices and they blew their trumpets before God, it said, great is your mercy, O Lord, that the priest couldn't even minister because the glory cloud filled the room. That's my secret place when I'm in trouble. That's, where, that's my car when, I have it, when I've had a bad day. The devil's not going home with me and telling me how I'm going to react to things that happen because of my mood. I'm going to say, I'm going to control my weather, praise God. And then the components of good ground are stewarding the ground. Man's first habitation, his first occupation, God told him in the Garden of Eden to tend it, to cultivate it, to keep it. You can have the best field. You can plow the, the, most, um, um, the, 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 the best field and sow seed and have the right environment. But if you don't pay attention to the, to the water levels or the nitrates or the phosphates in the soil, if you just leave it for a few years and you neglect that, fleshly, that, 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 that freshly plowed soil and that freshly see, uh, sown seed, you'll come back to a mess because you've neglected that word. You've neglected that seed. You've neglected your harvest. You are too concerned about other things but we must be stewards of the word in our lives praise God believe the fruit 
is worth the labor in the winter months when nothing is happening? Are you willing to sit inside and look out at your garden and say, I can see it. I can see it. When you plant a tree, that little sequoia, that little sequoia seed, the biggest tree in the world is that big when you put it in the ground. But through the winter, they're looking at it. Yeah, 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 that seed's in there. But they can see that one day may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But eventually, there's going to be the biggest tree in the world right in front of me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, I believe it's verse 12, that as many as I've heard, as us, and to those who have left, those who have compromised, those who have fallen astray, heard the word, but not being mixed with faith, did not believe the word. If the word that Jesus has placed on your life, if the word, if the nature of Jesus and what he says you are, that you're more than a conqueror to him, that that he can do through you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, if you don't mix that word with faith, you'll never receive anything because faith is the ingredient that makes things grow. That even when I do not see it, I walk by faith and not by sight. If it happened overnight, you'd never appreciate the result. Those with good ground and and fruit to show for were were willing to believe God through the trouble and trial because they knew that the word is worth the wait. Now we get to, to the theme of my message. I am a product of the word. I am every bit of of a product of my response to the word as you could ever imagine. The world wants to tell you that your circumstance determines who you are. The world wants to tell you that, that everything that's happened to you in your life determines your future, determines who you're going to be, who you're going to marry, the job that you're going to have, and how successful you'll be. This world wants to tell you that, the, that, that, that your circumstance have the power to determine and predict your future. But the Bible is on the contrary. If that was the case, Pastor Tad, you'd be in a mental institution. If that was the case, then, 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 then half of us in here wouldn't be able to walk in here sober. If that was the case, then, 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 then I'd still be in my mess, in my filth, in, the, in my dirt, an alcoholic, hating my life, thinking about suicide and being depressed all the time. If I was a product of my circumstances, I'd be nothing. I'd be dead. Some of you guys well, we wouldn't even be here. You'd be so lost in depression. But God said no. When he, when, when he puts the word in your life, he wants to make you a product of that word I am not a product of my environment I am not a product of of the sins of my past but I am a product of the word praise God Isaiah 55 10 through 11 says for as the rain comes down in the snow in heaven and do not return there but the but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the way that I send it that word when you get the proper response to that word and you're willing to say I'm not going to just sit it on the on the outside of my heart I'm not just going to let it be sit among stones and never root in my life and be withered away come trouble or trial I'm not going to let the deceitful things of riches 
and other things crowd out that seed and choke out the potential that God has placed on my life. But if you let Jesus get a hold of the good ground, the dirt of your life, the mess of your life, if you let him get a hold of it and sow himself in you and sow himself in what was a mess and what was abuse and what was depression and what was suicidal thoughts and what was addiction, you will find that it doesn't matter what you used to be, but you will become a product of the word. Praise God. If only this generation awoke up to the call that's on their life, that each and every single one of you have a plan that's bigger than anything you could ever imagine. But because you've let the, because you've let the foul of the air snatch that seed from your life, it's kept you from believing it. Oh, there's a lazy spirit over America. As soon as I'm talking to you right now, nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to come to church. Nobody wants to pray longer than 15 minutes. Nobody wants to get a hold of God anymore. We've slumbered and we've slept. But if you ever decide to let God wake you up and wake you up to the call that's on this generation, you'll find out that you're, more, that you're called to be more than depressed. You're called to be more than just sit there on a pew on a Wednesday night. But you're called to go evangelize the nations and make him known around the world. Some of you are missionaries, you just don't even know it yet. Some of you are interceders, but you don't even know it yet. Some of you are, 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 are full-time evangelists, you don't even know it yet. Because you've let the foul of the air come and snatch that seed before you can ever believe it. But if you ever dare to believe God, you'll do more than you can ever imagine. Praise God. The last part of that verse is some bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And I've often looked at that and said, it's almost kind of prejudiced to say some are going to do better than others. I mean, that's just life to begin with. Some are going to be more, I'm not going to be Tom Brady. I'm not going to, you know, there's going to be people who are going to be better than me at things. But then I started to think about why God would even put that in there. Because how do you determine some 60-fold, some 30-fold, some 100-fold? And what I felt the Lord speak to me is that you can never predict what God can do through your life. Some of you guys are going to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But what you'll never be able to do is to be able to pin down God and overlook him and say, this is what I'm going to do for you. If you let him have his way, there's no limit. There's no 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You're not going to be worrying about that. All you're going to be worrying about is that I'm going all the way with Jesus and I'm going to be used by him. Praise God. Come on, he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. It doesn't matter what you came in here with. It doesn't matter who your parents are, who your dad is, whether or not they had, a, had, a, had an experience with Jesus or not. God has a plan for you. And how many of you intend to find out what that plan is? Praise God. I, could, I, I wish I could preach for another 30 minutes because it doesn't sound like many of you guys understand that God himself, the creator of heaven and earth, has chosen this generation to make him known among the nations, to put you on the forefront, to bless you in everything that you do, going in and going out, to put in your hands the word of God and that nothing will ever be able to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. I meant that when I said that some of you will be missionaries if you just woke up to the call of God. When Isaiah said, here am I, send me, here am I, send me, Isaiah was not directed the question. Isaiah just so happened to be in the presence of God and overheard God saying, who shall we send? And Isaiah overheard it because he was in the presence of God. 
get in the presence of God and listen to the call. Listen to the heartbeat of God saying, go, preach the world. Make disciples of all nations, kindred and tongue, and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the call to every one of you guys. But just be awake to the call of God on your life. And experiencing the fruit of past generations. We've, I have lived my entire life living off the fruit of Pastor Tom's commitment to the Lord. Living off of the blessing of Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom's word that, that, that has been stored deep in so many other people. We have lived, this generation is so blessed to live and go to church in a place where so many other people decided to let that seed find good ground. And we are eating off that fruit. We are, we are being supplied off of, off, of that, off of that word that they sowed a long time ago. But eventually there's going to come a day when I need my own fruit. When my children are going to need their own fruit. When my children are going to look to me and say, Dad, what did you do for the Lord? Are you still serving Jesus? Because if not, they'll have nothing to go off of. This is long term. In a crock pot, with a crock pot, God, don't be a microwave. You can make Salisbury steak in a crock pot. That's Michelin star. But if you put it in a microwave, it's going to taste like garbage. But if you just wake up to God's call and let him guide you through the years, through every trouble and trial, through every downfall, through every discouragement, just let him take your hand and say, don't worry, I still have a plan for you. That's better than you could ever imagine. If you just woke up to that, my God, you'd never turn back. Just get a hold of of, of him tonight. Don't let circumstances in your environment determine what your life will or won't be. Start the new year off by receiving and and, and believing the word that God has placed on your life. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.